3 John. We'll be reading the first four verses. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word, uh, the truth proclaimed there, uh, the love displayed and the joy received. I uh, pray that you would uh, build us up today in our faith to uh, lay hold of these promises and uh, guard me in my speech and open the ears of your people to hear and to heed. This I ask in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Please be seated. Well, it's no surprise to any of you that life is difficult sometimes, no matter your age, perhaps for the youngest of us that amounts to your sibling stealing your toy train or being achy and tired from a bout of the flu or a cold. But we're all subject to the effects of the fall, be it pride and selfishness in others or the weakness in our bodies. And here in this very brief letter, uh, we see John dealing with some of those troubles that come to a group of sinners gathered together in a church. Importantly, he doesn't Uh, ignore them. Uh, He doesn't excuse them. He doesn't run away from them. Uh, He confronts them gently, but his confrontation and also his encouragement to the brethren there in this church is grounded in truth, love, and ultimately joy. And that's what I want us to see in these few verses here and to come away with for our today to live in those promises that we just sang about in Habakkuk 3. The joy of the Lord can be ours despite the challenges uh, that we're Uh, prayed about by Pastor Kaiser and evident through those two songs. So let's look at these verses and see how John traverses this trail of truth, of love, and of joy. Uh, It's in the first verse that we see John grounding in the truth, as he says there, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. And later it says, and he's heard report of Gaius's walk in the truth. I ask you, what greater bond, what greater uh, reason for unity can there be but truth? Uh, Perhaps we have friends uh, that we have gained through an alliance with uh, some sports team or a a passion for a a film. Those can be short-lived. What happens when uh, a failing season comes along for the team or a dud film is released? All of a sudden, there's going to be division with your friends. Do we side with the old coach, the new coach, the star quarterback, or the new one, uh, the previous film, or, or the new producer? But it's the unity in truth, the truth of who God is, that fellowship that can only be based on an enduring truth that provides these true fellowships that endure. For John here, as he's expressing to his beloved friend Gaius, their shared interest in and affection for the true and living God, that's what produces this love as he speaks in just a moment. They have the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, as Paul words it in Ephesians 4. That unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, it's because, because they are part of one body and one spirit with one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. So that is the enduring truth that surpasses all others. So friends, beloved friends, to use that word that uh, John here so kindly uh, uses to his friend, that's the same blessing that we share, that unity in truth. We're gathered here uh, together today as a manifestation of God's visible church. We're about to partake of a communal meal. That is the unity, the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace grounded in the very same truth that John speaks of here. Well, how does John express 
uh, what is the result of this truth. It's not just an intellectual idea. We take that home on Sunday afternoon and are glad we've got the right truth and happen to know a few other people that embrace the same things. No, there is a result from this truth, and it's love. How does John express this love? Well, with words, and he doesn't do it just once, repeatedly. Notice here, over and over again, his affirming words of love to his friend Gaius. Verse 1, beloved Gaius. Uh, Verse 2, beloved Gaius, I pray for you. Uh, Three verses later, beloved, I pray for your generosity. Uh, Verse 11, beloved, I warn you about evil and admonish you to do good. So over and over again, he uses these words of love to greet Gaius, to praise Gaius, to warn him, to uh, instruct him, uh, to encourage him. So John is definitely demonstrating Paul's admonition later in Ephesians 4 to have good and edifying words to impart grace to his hearers. The power of words, the power of words of grace uh, to encourage our brothers, even over a great distance, um, that the distance between Gaius and John here, uh, even when we're face to face, we can use the power of those words of love uh, to build up our friends in the faith. But let us pause uh, one moment here. Uh, notice something in verses 8 and 9 uh, because uh, lots of people talk about love. You know, love is all the rage these days. We should just love our, our neighbor no matter what, right? Well, I would uh, venture to say that uh, everybody does have love. The question is what? Love of what? Uh, For whom and why? As uh, John words it here, looking at verse 9, Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. And in the previous verse, uh, John is drawing a contrast through a bit of a play on words where he says, those who have true love receive the brethren. And here's Diotrephes. He's got love. Yeah, everybody's got love. That's a love of self, a corrupted love, a perverted love. And what does that type of love lead to? selfishness, arrogance, uh, casting out the very brothers and the very apostle that they should be receiving. So while I encourage us all to have love, a love based on truth, we must be careful. What is the love? Is it a true love? Is it a love that is not self-seeking, that looks to others, that receives others who also embrace the truth? Uh, That is the warning here, to not just embrace love, but to embrace a true godly love that's focused on others. Well, then, what is the result of this godly love uh, grounded in God's truth? And uh, it is joy, joy that surpasses all understanding, joy that uh, can be no greater. That's the word that John uses in verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Is that your joy today? Uh, Perhaps you have children who are Christians who are dedicated in that. (laughs) There is no greater joy. Uh, Do you have the joy of knowing that uh, your neighbor that you've been sharing the gospel with is at least maybe starting to embrace those truths? No greater joy than that. And I encourage you then uh, to not grow weary in that well-doing, as has just been prayed and sung about in these songs. There will be trials. John faced a trial. He faced a trial of a divisive man in that congregation that was uh, breaking it apart and rejecting those that he should have received We're going to run into people who are divisive, who are not really walking in the truth, not showing godly love. Will that weigh us down, or will we persevere? As uh, James words it in James 1, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect worth, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. 
That is a tremendous promise, that though we have trials, the trials will come. They have a purpose to build our patience and certainly other uh, sanctifying attributes. And through the working of that patience and that sanctification in us to bring us someday, soon hopefully, likely not tomorrow, day after, day after that, but someday in the fulfilling of God's promise to bring us to perfection, completeness, lacking of nothing. That is the sure hope, a promise that God fulfills. So, beloved, walk in the truth, love God and neighbor, and have that godly joy that results from it. Let's pray. Lord God, it is a privilege to gather with your people, uh, to participate in the fellowship of the saints. We uh, humbly realize, not for any good in ourselves, but for your covenant love uh, to our head who elected us from the foundations of the world, that you have loved us and gathered us And as a result of that love you've shed into us, we love you in return, desire to love our neighbors. Pray that you would build us up in your grace, that we would not be dragged down by the difficulties and the challenges of this fallen world, the sin-stained world, but instead we would build up and give you glory and honor and praise and have that joy be evident to all. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen.